0: Welcome to Garden Society. We are a sisterhood of women exploring holistic ways to rejuvenate from the rigors of daily life. We are wives and moms, sisters and girlfriends, bill payers, breadwinners, multitaskers, and peacemakers.
1: We invite you to explore the possibility of elevating every day with our favorite plant. Grant yourself permission to chill out, smoke a joint, and get inspired to find your joy with us on Garden Society, the podcast.
2: This gathering of the Garden Society is now in session.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode, our final episode of season one of Garden Society, the podcast.
0: Hello there.
1: How fun has this been, Erin?
0: Oh, it's been quite a journey, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) We have had so (laughs) many amazing guests this first season. We've had such great feedback and so many... Um, Fun stories coming from our listeners, so thank you to everyone who has given some time to Erin and I as we take you on our journey of founding Garden Society. Um, Erin, who do we have here today?
0: Oh, I'm so excited. We have our special guest, Amanda Buehler, here to talk about happiness. Thanks for having me. Woo-hoo. So Amanda is our chief gardener at Garden Society. She's been early adopter number one in the business, close friend of mine, dear confidant, and we were thinking about who to invite here for talking about happiness and how we wanted to wrap the show season one. And the there was
1: exclamation th-
3: point,
0: the explanation, <laughs> and there was nobody better than Amanda herself. So it took us a little while to have you on, but we saved the best for last.
3: Well, oh, thank you. That's a high compliment. I'm yeah. happy to be here.
0: <laughs> um, I'm going to pitch it over to you. Can you tell us a little bit about who who is Amanda Beeler? Oh,
3: well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, born in Memphis, Tennessee. So fellow Southerner to our host here. Yeehaw! (laughs) Yeehaw! (laughs) Is that inappropriate? Uh, Sorry. (laughs) uh, You know, grew up in the South. Both my parents are from the South. Um, I, my background is not in cannabis, but it's in golf and, um, spent my life learning how to play that. Played a bunch of other sports too, but eventually ended up going to college and playing golf at Arkansas State. Um, My progression through adulthood has still been with the game and I've been playing since I was eight years old and been teaching for about 17 years. And I ended up in California by way of the First Tee Program, which is a worldwide nonprofit teaching life skills to kids through golf. Um, When I got here, I did that program for about two and a half years and I got Mm. fully blown out or excuse me, burnt out completely (laughs) because... Yeah, as a when you work in nonprofit, it's just you feel like you work all the time. You don't yeah. get a lot of kickback, anyways. There's good in there's pros and cons to everything. But at any rate, I um left the first tee program so that I could pursue teaching full time, and I've been teaching full time at Healdsburg Golf Club for I don't know as long as i know years you. or something. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I've been in California now for almost fifteen. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and so it's been a it's been a very um, uh, fulfilling job for me. I, I like to teach and I, I like watching people learn the things like when it, when it finally, all the pieces come together, that is really a joyful experience.
1: Well, and especially for <clears throat> golf, cause just having done very little, like, um, like just one session of lessons, like you cannot play golf until you can, swing and hit the ball a pretty decent distance like well, then, there's no like just pretend dribbling a basketball around a court like if you can't hit if the you ball can't hit it, you're
3: gonna miss a lot like yeah you,
1: i but i even like you can't just hit it you have to hit it far enough to like not take 12 days to play a game of golf
3: you know what's interesting <laughs> so that has been the history for those of us that have been learning the game for yeah. like since the beginning of golf right like hundreds of years right well within the last 10 years this program has been developed it's called operation 36 mm. 36 being in reference to what is par for nine holes on a go on a standard golf course mm-hmm. and the operation 36 is a way to teach people how to shoot par, but start from 25 yards. Hmm. So you don't have to worry about swinging and missing 7,000 times oh. before you actually get to the green. So this is golf for me. This is <laughs> golf
0: for everybody, right? Specifically yeah. when you're 10. Specifically
3: yeah. when you're 10 or 45, doesn't or, matter. Or, yeah, no, it's all across 40 the 45. board. How old? And it's, it's, you know, like being terrible and being new are synonymous. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could have played for 50 years and still be bad. Or you could be brand new and you're basically the same golfer. Just go p- play <laughs> okay. from 25 yards. You'll have a better time. You'll actually start to see that you can shoot par. And then it makes it fun.
0: I need to start doing this. Every this You
3: need to start that way.
0: Yeah. So Amanda okay. and I met. So Amanda yes. doesn't even know this story. So it was a golf tournament at Healdsburg. So I was long distance dating my now husband. And there was this golf tournament we were playing in, the Seroptimus tournament. And Amanda goes whizzing by with hmm. her cart with fl- pink flamingos <laughs> and streamers coming off. <laughs> the back of it, and I look at Mo and I go, who is that? is that? And She goes, oh, that's Amanda, our local golf pro, and I was like, oh, I need to meet her. Well, A, because I have not been playing from 25 yards, and my games mm-hmm. yes. suck, and as Amanda knows, I have a putting problem. <laughs> it's called the <laughs> yips. I definitely get the yips in golf, and I was like, she is awesome. Mm. So we met at the golf course, yeah. basically, and we had known each other, I think, around town.
3: Yeah. I, my memory of you is we you were coming out of the pro Shop I was going in and you were with Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Actually. And my brother in law. Mm-hmm. I think you knew who I was, but we hadn't met yet. So mm-hmm. you stopped me and introduced yourself. She's and- like, Oh, the flamingos. Oh, those flamingos. <laughs> oh. Got and it. And
0: I'm pretty sure I was on my hands and knees begging, Please teach me <laughs> to please pitch.
3: Help me, please. <laughs> I got to get the ball on the green. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so fast forward now, I took some golf lessons. We played a lot together. We've traveled together. Mm-hmm. We became very fast friends. And I'm so excited you came onto the company when this idea started so coming
1: together. So Aaron as you were telling Amanda about garden society and kind of what you were building. Amanda, what were your thoughts around like had you what was your experience with so, cannabis? So like, this what, is so yeah. this
3: is what's so my experience in general not just being in the south but also my uh, how old I am. Mm-hmm. So I'm 40 this summer, well, like in a few weeks. It's your 40th birthday on the
0: 4th, on of, the July. 4th of July. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, big I time. It was your oop, 40, oop. girl. That's, what's up, girl. that's so, <laughs> so
3: awesome. So growing up where I grew up, my association with weed was that only stoners used weed. <laughs> and that's, you know, you're just using it to get high. I didn't have any association other than that. So my approach to it was from the place of like, drugs are bad. Mm-hmm. Just say no. <laughs> so when I, when I moved out to California, okay. yeah. When I moved out to California and I have, there's this smell that I smell in town when I'm at night walking my dog. I'm it like, is not I my
0: house. Not. I didn't know
3: what that was. Right. I didn't know what it was, but I'm walking with my next door neighbor who is actually Mike McGuire Oh, our, our now Senator. (laughs) Yeah. So when I moved to Healdsburg, I moved into an apartment. He was my neighbor.
1: Oh my gosh. And we
3: became friends. We started playing softball together, like rec softball. we walk our dogs at night and he's like a power walker. He's got to burn off some energy. (laughs) And every time we would be out, he was like, Oh, I smell the ganja. And I'm like, what the, what is that? (laughs) I I just didn't, I didn't know. I didn't have any context or any, any Mm -hmm. information about it. I didn't mind the way it smelled. You know, my association was, oh, that kind of smells like a skunk a little bit. Mm -hmm. So that was my connection. As I, you know, lived here longer and started to have conversations with people and started to see it in places, like my first exposure to weed was at a party at at this man's loft. And I didn't know him, but Mm -hmm. I knew the women that I was with. And you know, there's, it's just out. I'm like, oh, those are drugs. (laughs) You know, so I was like,
0: you know again in my
3: mind I'm like drugs are bad you know whatever <laughs> so as i lived here longer i was just like i need to educate myself so i started watching all these documentaries oh god cool right so i went down the rabbit hole of yeah. those and I, do you are you familiar with the one called the union i haven't seen that one the union is about bc bud okay so well actually just the business side of it like this whole underground way that they actually mm-hmm. grow and sell the and best whatever. capitalists out there right and so and obviously really underground. And I mean literally, like figurative and literally. There's a scene in this documentary, there's tractor trailers that have been buried in the ground and they have wired and they have electricity and power Those are the same things. They have lights and air conditioning and heat and whatever in order to grow this shit. It's literally underground, like buried in the snow in the middle of winter. They have a grow house in the winter in Canada. And I'm like, what the fuck? This is like the smartest thing I've ever seen. So then my mind shifts from drugs are bad to drugs are cool.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Right? Like that
3: is a really big... So for me, it wasn't like... It was a wa- culture
0: shift within you. Totally.
3: And and for me too, it wasn't like, I want exposure because I want to get stoned. I wanted exposure because I was like, that is a really interesting business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had been dabbling a little bit. I have this really good friend and he's a total stoner. And so I was like, tell me about weed. And so we started talking about it. i had had a couple of hits off of a joint and had a bad experience, mm. but I had taken a a hit off of a pipe, and then he introduced me to a bong. And so I'd had these experiences of getting stoned in a safe place. Yep. It wasn't a negative experience for me. And so then when you and I started having those lessons, I mean, we're literally standing on the practice tee and she's like, I'm going to quit my corporate job and start a weed business. I'm like, yes, (laughs) I want in. So, but you know, like by now I have all all the old people around us started leaving,
0: walking away. Women are gathering their children. Yeah. Like
3: everyone's like, those two. So I didn't, you know, I'd had all this, I have all these ideas in my mind, like, okay, you're going to start a company. So, again, it wasn't about getting high for me. It was about this is an interesting business opportunity.
0: Mm -hmm. And you're an entrepreneur. I think that's important to say. Yes. To a degree, yeah. You run your own business of teaching golf. so. You're part of the LGBT, LPGA yes. teaching program, but you you are an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I think the idea of starting a business is something we resonated a lot around yeah. too. Was like, and we're both athletes, and we both have body injuries from mm-hmm. being athletes, and so this connecting over pain, mm-hmm. connecting over being in the aging athlete program at Stanford <laughs> Medical School, yeah. connecting over like um, education because yeah. you mm-hmm. can teach somebody how to play golf. I mean, there can't be anything harder. I think it's a lot easier to teach you how to roll a joint than it is to teach you Uh, how to putt. Yes. (laughs) Probably. Yes. (laughs) So this (laughs) idea of, like, education and all this kind of mashed up has made some really interesting and fun conversations. Yes.
3: Yes.
1: So, Amanda, you I love this backstory of you and cannabis because I think it's super relatable. Yeah. Um, And it's also... I just think the more stories that we can put out there, the more comfortable people will be coming out of the woodwork and not necessarily diving into, you know, enjoying cannabis, but asking about it and yeah. like inquiring and, you know, asking, inqu- what's us with synonyms today. Same. Same.
0: <laughs> so, um, so tell Carly and all of our listeners, this idea, uh, we were at angels camp Yeah. with the hens and chicks.
3: Yes. The hens and chicks is a group of women chick. that, so, years ago I had this group of women come out for a class and I was like, where do you guys play golf normally? And they're like, Oh, we only play here or Windsor. That's two courses in the like seven that exist in just in Sonoma County. And I said, why don't you play any place else? And they didn't have any answers. I was like, well, if I put it together, would you play? And so there was the birth of hens and chicks. Oh, so me being being the lead hen, and you know, like I'm the chick. I was younger than all of them by (laughs) at least 25 years. Right. And I so I organized all these women. We took this long overnight trip up to Angels Camp, and we're sitting in this a condo actually, like having like a dinner party. You know, we're just all literally clucking around like a bunch of hens. But it
0: was—I just want to set the stage a little better. It was Do like it. thirty women who were retired. Yeah, plus so thirty women over the age of sixty-five. Yes, and four of us under the age of forty. So, Erin, yes. you
3: were there.
1: So yes. I was there. okay.
0: Three all of right. us: you, me, Heidi. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay now continue yeah so we're sitting around in this
3: room and we're sitting down to have like snacks or cocktails or whatever and then aaron just makes this blanket announcement to all these old biddies <laughs> i left my corporate job and i started a weed company <laughs> i swear to God. it was like the record scratch and crickets <laughs> and so they're all kind of looking at me like what why what are you really you know like Gasp. Minds blown. Minds are like blown. Like you can literally hear their brains like coming to a screeching halt from the confusion of, you know, you gave up your healthcare, you gave up your 401k, you're, how are you going to take care of your baby and your husband and your house, you know, like all these things that we all panic about all the time. And then it started the dialogue. And there's a woman in the room, Shelly, who has been an adamant no to drugs for her whole life. And mm-hmm. she's 60 plus. This is an ex- Olympic volleyball athlete who, you know, like, how do you take care of your body? Mm -hmm. How do you prepare yourself for sport? How do you make sure you maintain good health all the time? Well, cannabis was never an option for her. Not even now. Like, she would never even consider it. But listening to you tell your story in front of all these women about why you would pursue cannabis in the light of having those hip surgeries and being a recovered athlete and all the things, it was a really interesting juxtaposition for them mm-hmm. but a very good conversation and that was the start really of our like how I would come on board to work with Garden Society because I'm I'm made it known to Aaron then why don't you bring me on as your your brand ambassador
0: mm-hmm. and then she was like do you have any chocolate
1: because i need one right now, <laughs> right now. <laughs> so this was just for context for everyone this was in 2016 yep. in the very early days mm-hmm. of garden society very early. i love that story that yes. is so wonderful yeah. so you came on and you started helping to build this gardener program for us which for everyone out there are these in-home women's parties that we do mm-hmm. air Amanda, oh my God, would go in, she would talk to women about cannabis, let them ask questions. Aaron and I actually would go to these parties in the early days as we were all just kind of figuring this out totally um and we had minds absolutely change in the midst of these parties, like you're saying, where they would go from asking you know what about the children, all these safety questions to what is THC? And what is CBD? And how is that going to make me feel? And is it going to interact with this medication, which of course, we sent them to a doctor, but yeah, you know, it was this sort of uh, in within an hour, mm-hmm. minds would change. Totally. So when it comes to cannabis and this journey that you've taken, Amanda, in tandem, you know, finding your, your happiness in life. So something about Amanda, when I met her, you just always seem inherently happy and it was, she's just joyful and cheerful and there's never a problem. There's always a solution or we'll get to a solution. And I love that about you. Do you feel that it's something that is just within you or do you work hard for it? I, you always wonder that about people that just seem jubilant, you know, on the day to day. Yeah. Like, is or it is real?
0: It the
3: weed? <laughs> yeah. Is it real? Is that how you normally are? Is that yeah. because you
1: need- I mean, It feels that way from you for sure. But I, I just don't know if like, That's something that you think
3: about. Thanks for asking. (laughs) I don't actually think about it. If I go back to what my mom has said about me, even from birth, she always said, you were a really easy baby. You slept and you ate Mm -hmm. and you were happy to be held. And there's this funny story. I'm just going to tell this quick story because I just think it's hilarious. One of my mom's best (laughs) friends is Carol. And anytime Carol would come over, she would see me in this swing. So you would hang the swing in the door jam. Joe probably knows about this because we're about the same age. But you would get in the swing and you could motorize it and it would just it would just swing you. And that was a happy time for me. But I would be like in the swing, just sucking my thumb, just like looking like maybe there was something wrong with me. But that oh. was just – I was just content yeah. all of the time. <laughs> but as a – you know, we all have these periods in our life. Like we're talking – I have teenagers in my house now. And Mm -hmm. so they have this angsty period in their Mm -hmm. life. And I had that too. And I was intolerable and kind of like a terrorist (laughs) to my mom. But as I've gotten to an adulthood and finding balance. And so for me, when you ask, is it how I am all the time? Or do I have to work at it? The only time I have to work at it is if I find that I'm out of balance. Like if I get too twisted up in one thing, or if I'm only working all the time and I'm not doing any play, and mm-hmm. you know, for me, play is more work at my house because I like to build a lot of things. But if I don't balance those things, then I find that I'm I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. But I think your first question is: Is that just how you are? I think yes, I am. I don't I don't find that I battle anything that would. Really bring me down. But mm-hmm. So just naturally, I think I'm just a joyful, happy person. Mm-hmm. If I haven't had enough sleep, or if I haven't eaten, or yeah. <laughs> if I've we only been working, yeah. then I revert back to being a toddler. But <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's, that's probably They're all that's, about toddlers. Yeah, <laughs> we're all in toddlerhood right now. But um, I think I know that's not how it is for other people. I don't know. I, I don't know what the statistics are on how, how many people battle struggling with happiness or mm-hmm. whatever i mean there's a lot of talk about it now with people battling depression and anxiety and those kinds of things i'm sure there's yeah tons i know there's tons of statistics out there but just for me personally i i think if i can find that balance then i'm usually i'm good
0: one thing, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No. One thing that I love about Amanda is she's the queen hustler amongst all of us. Mm-hmm. So you come off so mellow and calm and balanced right now. But at the end of the day, you're a hustle queen to get shit done. Yes. So can you talk about how you take your entrepreneurship life? Because being a golf pro is not an easy road to hope by any means. Yeah. So like how you get clients and lessons and like growing your business and then also keeping in check with that balance.
3: Yeah. So that's actually, it's been really interesting to try to grow this golf career. Um, As an LPGA teaching professional, part of what you have to do is go to these levels of education. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember in the levels of education, them explaining how to build your empire essentially. That's all I've been trying to do. They teach you how to play golf? No, they teach you how to teach. Uh, They don't teach you how to run a business, mm -hmm. how to be an independent contractor.
0: Or how to do your books. Yeah,
3: like how to do the accounting and things like that. Like how to manage, like, okay, what's your trajectory for this year? Right. And so for me, it was all just full-blown learning curve because I didn't go to business school. Mm -hmm. When I came out of Arkansas State, I had a degree in sports management, which is fine, but it's really broad. So learning how to do these things, part of it was how do I create a steady stream of income that feels like a paycheck instead of just hustling for the one lesson and then a series of lessons and Mm -hmm. whatever. So developing membership programs was how I could turn this thing from this feels like a hobby to this is a job. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big part of the shift that happened for me. I decided to come up with something that was more consistent, Mm -hmm. much like a gym membership for someone which helped me feel a lot more stable and safe in my job and my practice of being a teaching professional. But I think it also gave my clients more connection. So they felt like they had access to me, but they also could see their own improvement, which is, you know, makes everybody really happy. Mm -hmm. Um, But learning how to do all of those other things, it's just like a grind. Like I just had to educate myself how to do it and then find the best systems that would help me manage my, clients and their information and the scheduling and all of that stuff. And all of that, you know, like getting all your ducks in a row, making sure your house is in order. Yeah. Brings a lot of joy and peace in my life. <laughs> for sure.
1: How do you think? I, but I think that's a great example for our listeners of like, if you have an idea, kind of the steps that you need to take to make mm-hmm. that a reality. And if it's a talent, that's kind of what I think of as what you do, even though you work hard for it. You know, you still have to understand the business side of things to make it all
3: work and run. Yeah. yeah. I feel pretty fortunate. Like most people, they like me. Mm -hmm. So they want to at least come back one time (laughs) (laughs) just
0: to talk. Maybe just to talk, really. (laughs) To tell jokes. Yeah.
3: And sometimes that's what a lesson will be. It will be therapy. They make, yeah, it'll be therapeutic for them. They'll Mm -hmm. make six or 10 swings, but mostly they're talking to me about what's going on for them. Mm -hmm. And that gives them some peace some they need to figure out how to have less anxiety when they're golfing and so we talk about okay so what's why what do you feel when you're out there what do you notice come up for you let's find a different solution to deal with that because obviously this other thing is not working for you because you keep missing Mm -hmm. from 25 yards
0: Mm -hmm. i love it (laughs) so one thing we do a lot at garden society is we try things because we're figuring it out right Mm -hmm. and so we try things and some fail a lot fail some work, yeah. and I think being an athlete, that's also something that you're taught is resiliency and 100%. failing. So, how do you see? And we talk about your business, you've tried all sorts of different things yeah. CRM systems, yes. and this and that. How do you take on failure to building happiness? Well.
3: I don't deal this is this will be funny for you. Mm -hmm. I don't deal with failure immediately like when it's acute Mm. pain. I don't deal with it very well. But if I can step back from it, then I can actually see the value in well, that shit didn't work. I'm gonna have to do something different. I'm not happy about it right now. But in the long run, I'm able to see the value in that. Mm -hmm. So for example, feeling desperate to get information out about me as a teaching professional and just what I had to offer. So I utilized Yelp as a tool. Yelp ended up being non-functioning for me and it was very expensive. Mm. So it was painful, right? But for me, what it taught me was, well, my most valuable chain of relationship is... Carly comes for a lesson. She has a good time. She tells Joe. Joe comes for a lesson. Joe has a good time. She tells Aaron. And then Aaron shows up for a lesson. You're all three having a good time. You're learning. And then you come back and you tell 10 people. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that helped me to see, well, how big do I actually want to be? How much can I actually, what's my capacity for this? Mm -hmm. If I want to grow huge, well, then that means I have to have staff, which I'm at that place now, which is interesting and cool and exciting. But you have to kind of take steps that are manageable for you. It's like what we were talking mm-hmm. about before. And, you know, what's the pie in the sky goal? Right. Well, okay, cool. That's fine. You want to run the universe. Okay, so let's back it up and figure out how to start. First yeah. run for president. Right. Right. First run for student body government. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Step one. Step one. I'm going to run for president of the golf club. I'm, yes.
3: <laughs> I'm going to be president of the lemonade stand. Yeah, I
0: like
2: it. Right?
3: I'll manage who's going to work there on the weekly basis yeah. or whatever.
1: As Tiny long as- baby steps for, yeah. Yeah. I think that's important to remember is that like, it's not about having it all. It's about taking the small steps to build toward your ultimate goal and building happiness along the way and making sure that the ultimate goal incorporates that. Going back a little bit to you helping launch this gardener program, like how do you apply kind of what you've learned in golf and in entrepreneurship through your business to building this gardener program with Garden Society? So like, Sort of what was the driver between sharing behind sharing cannabis with these women, and then also how do you see like how did you grow that business?
3: So, at the, from the very start, I thought the the mission and the purpose of Garden Society was very was sound. I agreed with it. I thought it was brilliant. I loved the product. I loved the look. Everything about it was very appealing. And seeing it in conjunction with who your target market was, well, that was a no brainer. And realizing that I agree with what the purpose is, which is to help people find peace and wellness in their life, which is all I wanted them to do if they were on the golf course. I wanted them to be at ease and have a good time. And so all of those things are synonymous to me. So the mission was easy to try to communicate, mostly because I already had that practice in my own work. and talking to people about garden society was not hard because I agreed with what was happening and getting them to see not just what is THC, what is CBD? How do these applications work? How long does it take? How long does it last? Like all of that was factual and interesting, but it was also helpful to get them to see your preconceived notions about cannabis are from fear. Mm -hmm. So let's tease that out and talk about that and figure out how do we, how do we get you to feel Like this is an option for you and that you don't have to be a stoner to utilize cannabis medicinally. Mm -hmm. So that was like an easy, that felt easy for me. I don't think I've answered your question.
0: I think for me too, watching Amanda, you started basically with your golf girls. Mm -hmm. I did. And you had their trust because golf is very intimate when you're learning to play golf and you're trusting your instructor It's also a big financial commitment for these people, right? Yes. Golf lessons are expensive. So, you know, you have their trust. They have your trust. Yeah. Um, And so parlaying that into something that will make them feel better, since you're a trusted voice, that it was a very interesting conversation that I think initially only you were in a position to have. Yeah. um, Because they knew you. You could also bridge the culture piece. You're also light and funny. So it was entertaining. And then we would come in and help and be, you know, the face of the company. So they're like, oh, there's real people here. This yeah. is a real thing. And
3: you you also helped because they had science questions. And so you were able to help answer those types of questions. Yeah. So that was really good.
0: Emma, plus Amanda, I think, should be a stand-up comedian in the next life. I know. We have
1: to. So Amanda has a YouTube channel on which she has us? these amazing videos. So we'll post that in the show notes for sure.
3: What's your channel? It's Amanda Beeler.
0: <laughs> All right.
3: yeah. and,
0: uh, so
1: that's been a big I think you're a, sh- a showman and I mean that in like the best way like you just have this presence about you and you're engaging and I think that that translates into success in your business as an educator thank you and then both in golf and now in cannabis being able to go in like Aaron say saying being a trusted voice, but having this sort of light funniness. that Gregarious Right, fun. right. I mean, that's so relatable. Yeah. I, it feels like you really know yourself. And I feel like that's something as a woman, as you're trying to understand how to become, how to make your life a happier, more cheerful place to live, <laughs> how to sort of, to steal your words, sort of tease out the different things in life or shed away, like we had talked about earlier in the season, um, cutting out the noise. Mm-hmm. And so I think, You've done a really good job of sort of like narrowing in on taking your talents, cutting out the noise and mm-hmm. building this beautiful life for yourself that you work hard for day to day. There are a lot of little gems of in tidbits of information that I think our listeners can take away and say, okay, how can I make these little shifts to apply some of the things that you've done to, to yeah. get here? Yeah. I don't know. J- you're a builder by it's like just, just naturally who you are. Yeah. yeah. So that's really cool.
0: I love it. What advice do you give to the teenagers in your house as they're going through angst and uh, coming into their own?
3: So we have a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. And our 17-year-old sometimes is pretty black and white. (laughs) And so when we talk with him, my goal with him is to get him to see more color in his perception Mm -hmm. of what's happening in his life or with relationships or schoolwork or whatever. We recently had a conversation with him about what he wanted to do after high school. And for like two years, his goal was to go to Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara. And he's decided now that three weeks ago, he's like, I can't go. I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to college because my grades are terrible. And I'm like, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah, so <laughs> you can you can go to the JC. You can transfer. No, I can't do it. I can't. They won't do that. They won't. Take, you know, like whatever. Just super right, black just and white. Done. Yeah. My goal with him was to just get him. Both of us, Sarah and I, both just wanted him to see the bigger picture. Like, there's more options out there for you, mm-hmm. and you don't have to take the traditional path. Just let yourself see yeah. that there's more choices available. Yeah. Our 15 year old is really a lot more challenging for me, mm-hmm. right? Because I th- I think the reason that she's more challenging for me is the same reason that I was really challenging for my mom. <laughs> I think we deal with things the same way. We get hot really quick. Like you were asking me before, one of you were asking me yeah. before, like, how do you deal with failure? Yeah. My immediate response to failure is anger. And I'll get really mad for like 10 minutes and I might throw something or yell or whatever. <laughs> And then Sarah comes in. She's like, "What is going on with you?" And I'm like, "I can't do this." And, blah, and she's like, "Okay, hold on. Let me just look at it." Yeah. And so we look at it, and then she helps me to see what I need to see, and then I can go back to work. You know, takes le- that flash of red yes, away. I mean, I see red, and so whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and that's what I recognize out of our 15 year old mm-hmm. is she sees red, and. What I have learned or how to help her is I'm just like, okay, let's just take a breather so that we can have a rational conversation about this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Give her the space. Yeah. We got to step back so that you can just look at it differently. You need fresh eyes sometimes. Mm -hmm. I
1: think that's important as an adult to remind people is to, you know, if you have failure or something sad or negative or, you know, happens is to like, Take that minute to let yourself have whatever that reactive emotion yeah. is, but then, you know, don't live there. Like try to then take yourself out of it and figure out like for you, it's Sarah coming in yeah. and kind of helping you see it through a different set of eyes, yeah. literally. Um, And you're able to then say, oh, okay, like step away from that,
3: yeah. that ain't for you anger. And what's been funny too, is like, as we're talking about this, I'm mm-hmm. you know, like my response has not changed since I was a teenager mm-hmm. at all. It's the same as it was when I was 16. I just, I'm quicker now to calm down. And even if Sarah's not there, like I recognize the rage and I'm like, this is not helpful. I got to come down <laughs> off of this so that I can actually address this challenge. Right. And and the thing too, I think this is just societally, and this may just be the case with every teenager that's ever walked is We get so twisted up in the failure that we feel like we can't do anything. It's always going to be wrong. It's always bad. Nothing is going to change, which Mm -hmm. isn't true. It doesn't have to be that way. As an adult, I can take the failure and take the frustration and I can deal with it better. But I think that's just practice. Mm -hmm. Right, Someone Mm -hmm. helping me see how do I deal with this shit? Mm -hmm. And it's not all shit. It's just challenges, right? If I can change the way I talk about it or think about it, then it makes it easier to tolerate. Mm -hmm. You know, not everything is perfect all the time. I blame social media. I
1: just blame social media. Just like (laughs) hashtag blame social media.
0: (laughs) I, I love it though, because that's what you're talking about is like reframing to stay happy.
1: Yeah. So taking all of this, do you feel like, do you have conversations with your kids about Happiness, or do you think that even? So I'm just sit as we're sitting here talking about happiness and joy. Like, is it is happiness pie in the sky, or how do you live? How do you kind of find how to live with that day to day, like this the the up and down? Yeah, and how do you do you talk about that with your kids at all? Or mm-hmm. I, yeah. Oh,
0: how, yeah, how do you laugh so much all day?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I find she's myself really pretty freaking funny. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> <True>. <laughs> Um, and Sarah finds me pretty funny and I don't know. I just do dumb stuff all day long. I don't know. And, uh, I, it's, it's not forced. I'm not trying. It's just, it's just how it I just am. I you. just feel like I'm just like stupid half the time. And so that brings me a lot of comfort and joy, lightness. <laughs> the lightness of it all. Yeah. Yes. I, we talked to the kids about being happy and that, you know, for some people, it doesn't like for me, it just mm-hmm. feels pretty natural to me. I'm not choosing, you know, sadness over happiness. Mm-hmm. Well, today I'm going to choose sad. I don't feel, I don't think like that. I don't choose that. And I think for some people, being genuinely happy is work for them. It's not work for me. But what we tell the kids is you have a choice of how you're going to deal with this situation. The thing that I've been telling our daughter is. If you don't like that behavior, you can leave the room. Mm -hmm. You don't have to stay in that situation. And we have those conversations with all of them. If you don't like the way someone's treating you and it makes you feel unhappy, you can leave. Mm -hmm. Whether you're in a relationship with that person and it's romantic or they're friends with you or if it's your family, Mm -hmm. if you don't like how you're being treated and it makes you feel sad or what hurt, you can remove yourself. You don't have to stay. And then you can start to assess. What actually makes me feel content or peaceful or safe with another person? And then you can Mm -hmm. move from that place. So we definitely have those conversations with them.
1: It's almost like the same message with failure. Like if you don't like a situation, you can leave and then you can evaluate like what didn't you like about that and how do you move forward in a positive way that does make you happy? You know, it's always, it's, I think it's just about being solutions oriented, which I think you, you are so much so. Yeah. Um, with and and I do. would like
0: to know sometimes I would like permission to be a toddler yes. and to have those temper tantrums when <laughs> you're like, "I do, you spilled my mail. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want to be like that once yeah,
1: in a while? Every now and again. Mm-hmm. We all have, yes. I'm really excited about the spark of joy today because Amanda, you sparked so much joy for us. Thank you. Um, so Erin, do you have a, something that has sparked your joy over the last you yeah.
0: Guys? So my husband has been gone. Home alone time. <laughs> no, I miss him so dearly. So it's been baby Tommy and I hanging out for a yeah. week. Oh my gosh. And what it was is it was so reaffirming talking about joy. And Amanda and I were talking about this on the car ride here. It doesn't like I miss my husband. I mm-hmm. definitely, you know, miss him romantically as a friend, all of that. But it also, to me, reminds me of making sure I make time for myself in my comfortable place. Because it's one thing to do something for yourself and go away. Mm -hmm. Like we were at Camp Navarro and we had a great time, but it was also exhausting and we were working and it was like, go, go, go. There's something else to be said for being well-rested, tootling along, doing your own thing on your own schedule. I just feel refreshed which is interesting if you think about your partner being gone
1: yeah but that's it's true and especially as a parent like yep when i am alone in my house i'm like whoa what
3: is going on whoa. right now
1: and every now and again i'm like wait where's where's Cece? yeah <laughs> and i'm like oh wait she's not here <laughs> yeah
3: because the silence is really yeah
1: i think there's something think that's to that so too. important to recognize that to give yourself alone time that's not going somewhere that's mm-hmm. not managed totally that's not like yeah. i have to
0: go here i have to go here go yeah. see these people or blah blah blah, blah, blah i blah, love blah. that i just had you know a week of like putting tommy down at 7 30 and whether i worked or i'm watching that new show outlanders yes. or you mm-hmm. know clean i cleaned my fridge out for the first time in like three years okay. i think i mean it's just been <laughs> <glorious>. oh, <laughs> Amanda, <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right somebody else has i think a we're gonna have to story.
1: bring amanda in here more
0: often <laughs> and i do miss you tom gore if oh, yes
3: we all miss you tom gore
0: come back <laughs> um
3: i, I it, it's funny to like like what actually gives me peace in mm-hmm. my house and pleasure like how, how do i find those things when you know my life is full We have three kids at home. They're all going 7,000 miles an hour in different directions. Sarah works full-time. I work full-time. Summer is challenging. Kids are out of school. We're shuffling here and there and whatever. And my peaceful place, my joyful place is still in work, but it's in a project that's for me or it's for our house. And I'm going to back up and I'm going to tell you how this started for me.
1: All right. I like it. (laughs) When I was a
3: teenager, my parents started having me cut the grass in our yard Mm -hmm. and it was just a walk behind mower. And we had a large corner lot, so it was a lot of grass. And there was grass in the front and in the back because it's in the south and it rains a lot. Right. Us in California, we're what? No. <laughs> You're like, you cut the... Well, now I cut the weeds in yeah. our front yard. Yeah. So anyway, but I grew to love the before and after of a project. So seeing that yard all long and hairy and then cutting the lines into mm-hmm. the... And it, that mm-hmm. has never gone away from me. That before and after of a project has never disappeared. So... Like vacuuming, for example, I get a lot of pleasure from vacuuming. And I'm gonna tell (laughs) you why. you smoke a headband joint first? No, (laughs) dude, I don't even need to. Like, I need nothing. Like, like the vacuuming is getting high for me, honestly, (laughs) because that you could, like, I just watch all that shit on the floor just disappear. The satisfaction of finishing it and then walking back in, I'm like, I don't feel anything on my feet now. (laughs) This is so nice. And, you know, like, this decision to build this deck uh, in Mm -hmm. our backyard. I ripped out our backyard and rebuilt a fence and whatever. Now I'm doing the deck. And I've been thinking about this deck for a year. And I just started the project within the last week and really did some damage yesterday. That's awesome. And so that brings me so much pleasure because it's time just by myself. Mm -hmm. I put these giant noise-canceling headphones on. I listen to whatever the hell I want. And I can't hear you.
0: You're trying to talk to me. I can't hear you. So, is it the power tools or the mapping and executing? And and tell everyone how you learned to do this all.
3: Well, you guys, I just go to YouTube.
0: (laughs) Monumental discovery. I
3: do like like six hours of research, watching all sorts of videos on how to do whatever. I think there is a lot of pleasure though in learning how to use those tools. Mm-hmm. And I have a full-blown shop now. It's mostly a wood shop, but I can do lots of things. And I'm, you know, learning how to line out the piers so that I can put my girders down, so I can put my joists down, so I can have a deck that's square. You know, it's just a lot of pieces because it's a job that is not typically seen done by just one person. Mm-hmm. Especially one woman. And one woman.
0: <laughs> let's, especially one woman. Yeah. Let's so make is note. it the job or is it the act of learning?
3: It's both. I like the learning a lot. hmm And I really like the work.
0: Mm -hmm. Are you going to be a deck builder now? Like, do we have to worry about your time? No.
3: No. (laughs) Maybe a bench builder. That's so awesome. I love it. You are a builder. Um, So I have two sparks
1: of joy. One is um, we had my parents, my husband's parents, and my sister's husband's parents all together this weekend for my nephew's birthday. And we had the amazing Cynthia Glassell from Healdsburg come down and do family photos for us. And I did not have my grandparents growing up. Um, I had two grandpas, but they were both out of state far away. So the fact that my daughter has, our kids have all three sets of grandparents and they're all interactive in their lives and, and able-bodied and able to just really be there is so cool to me. And so I just had to document this moment. And so, and Cynthia just captures stories in a picture like nobody else. So, um, yeah, oh, that's so that. beautiful. That sparked a lot of joy. And then honestly, just having Amanda here today. Thank you so much. <laughs> this has been me. so fun. The exclamation point at the end of our season for Garden Society, the podcast. This podcast has been therapy for me. It has been learning. It has Joe, thank you for all that you have done for us this season. You have gone through my and Aaron's ups and downs, training us, teaching us, watching us make mistakes (laughs) over and over again. And we just love you so much. So um, thank you. And Aaron, this has been a blast. I cannot wait for next season.
0: I know. Thank you for being the best partner We found Carly's passion, and (laughs) she is the best podcaster here with Joe, so I'm so blessed to be a part of it, and thank you for taking me on this journey, too. Yes.
2: Joe, do you have any sparks of joy before we sign out? No, y'all are making me all teary-eyed. I'm so proud of you. Y'all have grown so much. This has been really fun to watch. My spark of joy this week was getting to hang out with my best friend of 24 years by ourselves for seven days. Whoa. So good. So good. She got to buy her first legal cannabis with me, (laughs) and I was able to get her CBD joints so she wouldn't drive me crazy freaking out while I was smoking my (laughs) THC joints. So it was great. We discovered Vancouver together, and it was good. And I love you girls so much, and I'm so proud of you. And I look forward to planning next season with you.
0: Woohoo. Carly, what's on deck? Anything you want to share about next season?
2: So we. We will keep everyone posted on social
1: media. We're really excited. We're making big plans. We may be going places, doing things, you know.
0: (laughs) Asking for more interviews.
1: Yes. So um, yeah, if there's anything that you guys want to hear or if you have any ideas, if you want to be on the show, if you want to share a story, let us know. You can find us at GRDN Society. We'll put everything on thegardensociety.com. We cannot wait for you all to join us next season
2: on Garden Society, the podcast. Be sure to check the podcast show notes at thegardensociety.com for a deeper dive into each episode. Engage with Carly and Aaron via social at Society. If you like what you hear, help spread the joy. Subscribe, rate, and review Garden Society, the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Garden Society, the podcast is produced by Joanna Newding and recorded in the Casually Baked Studio in downtown Oakland, California. Sound engineering is performed by Arnav Gupta.
1: We cannot wait to for you to.
0: <laughs> Good job, Carly. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the
1: creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show.